0: Amateur drinking, professional drinking by Birdie Buddies. If you want to hit them straight out there, please check out Fairway Rolling every week. Available on Spotify.
1: This episode is brought to you by Arby's. Arby's better not catch you slacking on snacking with their new two for five dollar chicken wraps. And your choice of ranch, barbecue, honey, mustard and a bonus flavor called Incredible Value. You can't taste it, but boy, is it sweet. Arby's two for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time of participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by
0: Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20 for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Com. The visible monthly rate is $25 per month.
1: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Weekends. I'm your host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazdy Bray, and I'm joined by a very special guest and a dear friend, my man, John Krasinski of The Athletic. Welcome to the show, John.
0: Waz, what's up, my brother? Good to see you, as always.
1: Same, same, same. You know, the feeling is very mutual. Um, You know, I'm here in San Francisco at the NBA Finals, the biggest event in the sport. Um, So, of course, today, since we record on Sundays, the day of the game, I decided to talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves. Ain't no better time, boss. (laughs) And naturally, (laughs) we talk about the Timberwolves. But honestly, I just thought it would be stupid to do some game preview. It's like everybody's going to watch the game tonight. Let's talk about some pertinent NBA stuff. And I thought, man, the stuff out of Minnesota right now is very interesting on like five different fronts, Right. And the first of which being this interesting transition (laughs) from the ownership of Glenn Taylor to A-Rod and them, who I call the A-Rod group. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's because, like, Glenn Taylor's still in charge, but then, like, who's making the hiring decisions? Um, Who's in, like, who ultimately says... The okay on a draft, like I just think the Minnesota thing is interesting. Plus, they have, in my opinion, one of the most interesting young rosters in the league. So, I just think it's something people should be paying attention to. At first, John, I want to ask you, who's in charge over there right now, this yeah, very I, second?
0: You're right, Guaz. Let's let's just try to lay the groundwork as straightforward as we can. It's because it, it it's one of the most unique situations I've ever seen in a franchise. Glenn Taylor right now is the majority owner of the Timberwolves. He mm-hmm. continues to be at He's owned them since 1994, forever and ever really for the, probably the last 15 years, almost, he has wanted to find, uh, uh, some younger owners to come in and buy a smaller stake at first let, and then kind of ride shotgun for a few years and then let him pass the baton. For most of the time that he tried to sell the Timberwolves to, under that kind of arrangement, most of the other guys are like, bro, if I'm buying the car, I'm driving the car. Yeah. And so he couldn't ever find that. Now, he did find that with Mark Glory, Alex Rodriguez, and those two came in and they said, yeah, Glenn, we, we, we will learn from you. We'll figure things out. We'll get our money in order. And we will go for, um, we'll go for this. So they've bought in, they're only at 20% of the franchise right now. Okay. And, and they can buy another 20% at the end of December. And then by December of 2023, the plan is for them to take over majority control from Glenn Mm. Taylor. So it's a gradual process, but because this is all sort of a succession plan lined up, they want to have a say in who's the GM, who's the president of basketball operations, who's the coach, what kind of moves are being made so that when they take over majority ownership in 2023, they don't have to start from scratch. Mm. And so those two, Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez, really led the way on hiring Tim Connolly from Denver Mm. and recruiting him and coming up with the financial package to get him. And then Glenn still had to give the final sign off. He had to approve of all this. But he's really kind of empowered those two to try and make some moves and do things to set it up the way they want it to be for when they inherit this whole deal.
1: Yeah, because I think the Tim Connolly situation raised a lot of eyebrows around the league with people who closely watch this kind of stuff because the Denver part of it, we don't need to get into. Like, just the idea that there was no compensation tied to this guy coming to Minnesota, they were basically like, if you get a deal great. Go ahead. And and he's one of the, he's known to be one of the most respected, best executives in the game. But the price tag was interesting to me because they paid top dollar to get this guy in. We know the Kronkies; They don't get enough credit for this. Cheapest organization <laughs> in the league. It's ridiculous. They do everything on the cheap. And, but Minnesota is not known as like What Balmer's doing with the Clippers or what Dolan did when he gave Phil Jackson $12 million, or even you name it, some of the richest franchises in the league. Minnesota's not known for that. So what do you think was the the impetus to like pay all this money to get Tim Connolly up in there?
0: Yeah, it was two things was which are both decidedly against the grain for what we know of the Timberwolves. One is when Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez came in. One of the things that they did right away, and this was kind of Mark Laurie's sort of lead voice on this, and Alex Rodriguez was, was backing him, was they said, "Look, we need to get a top-flight president of basketball operations wow. in here. The guy to that—that's a, a priority for us. And the way that we're going to build out our franchise is by hiring the best of the best and and sparing no expense to get them." Uh, This was even before Gersten Rosas was fired. Mm -hmm. So even last summer at Vegas in the summer league, it was starting to get out there like, Hey, these guys might look at, at bringing someone in like a heavy hitter. And you heard names like Pat Riley and Bob Myers and Masai Ujiri and all these. And I will tell you like, as those names started circling, as that, um, that ambition started to come to the forefront You talk to a bunch of people around the league over the last year, they'll be like, yeah, right. Like these guys ain't about that. They can talk all this stuff. They're never going to be able to go out and do that. A, they're not going to be able to lure someone to Minnesota. B, they will not be able to get Glenn Taylor to sign off on paying all this money. There's just no way. Well, they go through the whole situation. I think they did You know, really look hard at Masai Ujiri. They looked hard at a few others. Tim Connolly's contract was such that he was available to them and they identified him as a top flight gm um and said hey he fits the criteria for what we want really well respected uh you know great scout great talent developer and also looks at it as he comes from a market similar to minnesota like there's they ain't getting LeBron James to come to Denver and free agency. Mm. But, and so like he knows how to be successful in a market like this. And so they went hard after him. And one of the reasons that they splashed the pot for him too, was to kind of send a different message out there. Like, yo, the Timberwolves are moving in a different Different direction. direction. We're doing things differently than you ever thought we would. Like you could always count on the Timberwolves to mess something up to like not have ever have to be a threat. We, you, we never had to worry about the Timberwolves in the league wide scope of things. And so for them to go out and do this and, and, and go with the money that they did and the compensation package that they did, a, they got a guy that they really, really respect and like, and think is one of the top five guys in the field. But then B they sent a message like these ain't the state. These ain't your dad's Timberwolves. Like we are, we're going to move in a different way. And when we make When we say we're going to do something, we're going to do it. And so I think it was effective in both of those fronts.
1: Yeah. And so, man, if you look at what um, Masai was doing over there, which is putting together quality rosters on the cheap, never some ridiculous teardown. Never any splashy free agents, unless you want to call like Kenyon Martin that or something. You know, like never these ridiculous moves, but highly competitive. And Connolly goes in there and does the same shit. It's it's kind of crazy. Like he basically he replaces Masayu Jiri and puts together another top-to-bottom quality ass roster to the point where. They're beating the Clippers, who are the odds-on favorite for the championship, conference finals, all of this stuff. Um, What will Tim Connolly be expected to do here in Minnesota? Like, where do they think they – from your best sense, obviously, where do they see themselves as far as the pecking order within the Western Conference? And what do they think Tim Connolly is going to provide – to get them going in a direction that they think um, they deserve to be going.
0: Yeah. Well, so if you look at where they're at right now, before the Tim Connelly hire, they went from 23 wins two years ago or a year ago to 46 this year, doubled their win total, got into the playoffs for the first time in four years, only the second time in the last 17 years, which is insane. And <laughs> when you, when you have that kind of modest success, but success nonetheless for the Timberwolves, like you could hang banners for that here like that's the 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 bar mm-hmm. is so low for them to to get over that everyone would it would you wouldn't blame them for saying hey great job guys just stay the course keep doing this and we'll we'll try to keep building but what clearly what the Connolly recruitment and signing says is that they are not happy with just being okay with just being in that seven, eight, nine, 10 range uh, in the play in tournament range in the Western conference. I think that they have a realization as much as their roster is very intriguing and there's a lot of really cool parts to it. And they have a good coach and all of these other things. They know that the, the path from 46 wins to like 52 or 53 wins and home court advantage in the first round is a lot harder in some ways than the path from 23 Mm -hmm. wins to 46 and so Connolly's coming in here sort of with a directive to, hey, we need you to build on this success. And we know that the Western Conference is going to be a lot tougher next year than it was this year. And we know maybe the Wolves won't have quite as much luck with injuries as they did this year. They were really, really healthy for most most of the year. And that helped them kind of pile up some, some wins um, as well. And so Connolly's going to have to come in and, do what he did in Denver, draft well, maybe make a few smart trades. And I think that they, so his key in Denver was he got Jokic, Murray and Porter, right? Like that was, he assembled that core here. You have Edwards and towns that are kind of the core. Now he's got to kind of build a roster around those two, to, to just maximize what they have there. And so they think his relationships, his, eye for talent all of that stuff is is a cut above what they already had and so that's that's the the main motivator here is man this climbing this mountain is only going to get harder from from here and so it's up to him to identify opportunities for them to take advantage of and 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 build the depth around those two big guns and and figure out the rest
1: you know To my mind, John, I don't think there was much that separated Minnesota this year and Memphis's team, honestly. They seem to be of equal talent and equal quality of a team that earned a damn two-seed in the Western Conference this year, which is pretty impressive. And so, to me, I I wonder how they view their roster construction, um, especially this offseason, because, again, I think Memphis is instructive here because – They could have sort of jumped out the window last offseason and said, oh, we've arrived. We've got this great young core. Let's do something drastic to this instead. They're just like, "Eh, let's bring Steven Adams in here. Let's, you know, sort of round out the edges. Let's not go crazy. What approach do you think the Timberwolves are going to take to this offseason?
0: Yeah, I think Memphis is a good uh, barometer for them to to measure against because you're right. I mean, like they believe that they should have won five of those games if they had the experience and the toughness mentally to finish it off. I mean, they had double digit leads in all of those games late in the second half and couldn't close it out. They just, they just were not used to being on that stage and Memphis had a little bit more experience. And so they just kind of ultimately out them down the stretch. And so um, I do think that there will be a similar uh, kind of pathway for them in terms of you hope that, Anthony Edwards makes the same leap going into year three that John Morant did. You mm. hope that Carl Anthony Towns continues to kind of put everything together and really, you know, become more of a two way player as he did this year. Um, and, and Jade McDaniels going into year three and a few of those guys you can count on. I think some of these guys really continuing to improve and make leaps. The big question that they have to answer is what are they going to do with D'Angelo Russell? Is he a guy that you keep? Is he a guy that you extend? Is he a guy that you trade? You know, there's all that—that that, that is the 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 key decision that they have to make that could make this more than just a tweak of the roster and could take, change it into more of a significant change if they decide ultimately that, hey, we have to move on from him and see what we can get.
1: You know, I'm, let's stay on the D'Angelo Russell topic because... I've personally never been a fan of his game. Uh, Just just the idea that, like, you need a screen to do anything. Like, you can never do anything with the ball in your hands outside of some level of pick-and-roll operation. I just don't think that's enough to justify the sort of cachet he's earned around the league. And to me, you know, he's a guy who had about six weeks of good basketball in Brooklyn, somehow fell onto an all-star team, and we were all expected to, you know, pretend that this guy is some kind of world beater. Uh, Wolves fans on Twitter were very vocal this mm-hmm. year. They were like, well, actually, Waz, you're a casual because our best lineups actually happened with D'Angelo and blah, 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 blah. And they were, you know, very cocky about the, the D'Angelo Russell situation. But I don't think that bore out in the playoffs. Um, he was a problem at, you know, many different moments. That damn... Off the dribble, step back, clank. <laughs> at, the, at the end of, I think that was game four. I forget which game it was. I, th- that that image is seared into my brain. His, I got this terrible move and then just like doesn't even hit the rim. All right, I've been mean enough to D'Angelo Russell. Uh, what do you anticipate they will do um, with him? Is it is it a trade? Because I don't see how you could be like, oh, this guy deserves some huge extension because he's a huge part of what we're doing going forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, here I, I, I know we're not supposed to say these things on these pods and me being immersed in, in the Wolves as long as I have been, I should have all the answers. I really don't know what they're <laughs> going to do here because it's not an easy answer. So we'll start with like, D'Angelo Russell had a big role in the Wolves' success, so I really don't know what they're going to do. Um, and because on the one hand, D'Angelo Russell had a huge role in a lot of their success last season. In the regular season, mm-hmm. he was really good. Um, he, especially defensively, he showed a side of him that I don't think anyone knew that he had. Uh, he was good from a leadership standpoint. He fit in well. He chose his spots when to. Get his own shot when to get edwards and towns and all of them involved all of that was great and let's not forget in the play-in tournament against the clippers when carl anthony towns was mia because of foul trouble d'angelo russell was the guy who saved them he had a yep. huge game and so he has those capabilities to take take a game over but it is a roller coaster with him man and in the playoffs that roller coaster was all the way on the downslope for most of the time i mean you're looking at point totals in those six games 10 11 22 on 9 of 21 10 12 and 7 in the Oof. in the game six seven wow. points did Oof. not play the final six minutes of the fourth quarter of a must win game six like you can't have a max player not and not be able to put him on the floor like John, but just, he's
1: an all-star he made an all-star team it's
0: just untenable man and so i think he der- deserves a lot of credit for for getting them to the playoffs but certainly still had showed some limitations in the playoffs. And that's the big problem here, because if you're the Timberwolves and you want to trade him, if you had lost to the Clippers and he played really well and you didn't make the playoffs, maybe his value is a little higher, you know, but it might be a little bit difficult to go out there on the market and see what you can get for D'Angelo Russell coming off of that playoff series where he just did not play well at all. And then, yeah, I mean, when you get into extension talks with him, I mean, he's not a max extension guy. Like that's, that's obvious. What, what would he look for in terms of an extension? And is there some reasonable number? I don't know. Here's the third scenario was, which I mean, it shows how winding this road is though. They could go into next season with Russell on the roster in the final year of his deal. And if the, he plays it out and he plays well, then you look to keep him, or if he doesn't, you say goodbye. And then they have thirty one million coming off of the cap with him. They have Malik Beasley's 15 million coming off. Mm. They have uh, Patrick Beverly's 13 million coming off. Ooh. And all of a sudden, you got all this cap space Things in the world. Interesting.
1: yeah, absolutely right? So
0: so that's why I'm saying like there are there are three clear paths that they could take. And they could all work out beautifully or they all could really not work out at at all. And so um, I don't know what they're going to do. I would imagine that Tim Connolly is absolutely going to play the market and see what offers are out there leading into the draft. And if there is something that they really, really like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they move him. But I don't think it's a case like they did with Andrew Wiggins, where it's we're going to attach a lightly protected pick. And try to get off of him. I don't think they're going to do that with D'Angelo Russell.
1: (laughs) This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. Andrew Wiggins, that's got to be very interesting for it Wolves is, fans man. to be observing right now. But you know, it, and this is just a tangent. I don't think Andrew Wiggins could have made himself into a lunch pail player. Definitely not on the Wolves. It, it wasn't working
0: here, Waz. It you, wasn't.
1: And you can't go from savior to lunch pail guy. Just mm-hmm. it, like that, just does that. Those two things are incongruent in when you're in that same space you go to a team with four freaking Hall of Famers on it and they tell you to shut the fuck up, grab a rebound, and guard somebody, you kind of yes, have to sir. do it. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's just different. So, you know, I think he's fought, ultimately found his destiny as, like, just straight up, I'll guard guys, I got some on-ball creation for you, I can knock down the, the open three every now and again, and that's just basically what I do. I can't be, you know, the son Harrison of, an, Barnes. of an ecosystem. Yeah, I can't, I can't be. Oh yeah. It's so funny watching him and just remembering Harrison Barnes clank like 12,000 threes in the finals <laughs> in 2016. It's just like, it's crazy. He's the Harry Barnes now. But I do want to get to the two big guys on the team Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. And I think Towns had a better playoffs than it will be remembered. But Those lows were just so glaring and just so, like, does this guy have a mind for basketball? (laughs) Like, at certain points when you're watching him make these crazy mistakes, these ridiculous fouls, and, like, you're just like, okay, like, I can't center my universe if I'm the Wolves around this dude. However, when I'm watching Anthony Edwards, I'm like, that's the guy. That's the guy right there his, basically, the inability of anybody to stay in front of him. He doesn't even really know how to finish yet, yet he still found ways to be effective near the basket. When the shot is falling, it's just like, everybody pack your stuff and go home. Do the Wolves see themselves as an Anthony Edwards franchise more so than a Carl Anthony Towns franchise? Because I think... When Jimmy Butler did his tirade and stuff, he was basically like, you guys are shining these kids' asses. They're not that good. And so I'm out of here. I'm tired of this crap. I feel like Anthony Edwards, he's moved into that focal point. How do they manage this Carl Towns thing? Because he clearly still thinks, you know, he's the earth and the sun of the franchise. How are they managing it going forward?
0: yeah I mean, I think that this is kind of a unique situation for this kind of a thing, because you could see it developing in 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 in, in other places or uh, there's plenty of other situations like this, including with other pairings in Minnesota where it was two really good players, and man, this is not going to work like. W- whose team is it kind of a thing. Mm. And this is going to be a, a soap opera. And so you and say it's this gonna, is as toxic as
1: Stefan KG. No, is, I is don't John think Kaczynski so. Is John Krasinski reporting that on, on the no, Ringer weekend I am, show?
0: I am not reporting that at all, okay. I, but but I am using that as the base, as okay. the baseline, right? Got you. I mean, you had, you had, you had, uh, you had Stefan KG, you had Jimmy and Kat, you had even like, even in the Cassell spreewell KG mix, like it, they were not um, going against each other, but money got in the way of that. With hmm. both Cassell and Sprewell wanting to be paid and all that, and that and that really yeah, messed Couldn't up. feed
1: his kids on on eight million. He I, couldn't on, feed yes, his family.
0: Three years, twenty one million, <laughs> couldn't do it. Um, and, and and so, but in this scenario, I I don't, from what I've seen, I don't think that we're headed for that collision point right now because for a couple of reasons. One is right now as of right now do are the do the wolves say this is anthony edwards team no he's not ready for that yet yeah. he's just he's not there yet and that's okay he's 20 years old but towns has been in the league 7 years going into his 8th year he is the most consistent player on this team by far um i think last year he started to show a lot more maturity and being able to handle Leadership role in a different way than he had earlier on in his career that really did tick off Jimmy Butler. That really did and tick off is other not his things. uh
1: you know how they call people old souls, yeah. Whatever the opposite of that is what <laughs> Carl Anthony Downs is.
0: And, and so, like, yeah, I think for a lot of the his career that was true. And and I think that this year, yeah, I did see him grow up some and, and kind of come out of this fog that he was in. And and so there's there's all that, but all of this is to say that towns has lost a lot here. He's they've lost a ton of games. He's taken a lot of shit for it. Understandably. So you're the franchise player when your team doesn't win, you're going to take a lot of blame. Um, But so he understands more than most that uh, you need more than one good player on a team to compete in the Western conference. And that's why I think he and Anthony Edwards complement each other very well. Like, Ant knows that he's not as good as Carl Anthony Towns just yet, Mm. but he knows that he has something to help this equation. Mm. And like, he's got a mindset in him that while cat is the big brother Ant is the scrapper with the little brother, like he's going to come and jump into the fight and, and take care of some dudes if it, if it goes off that way. Um, And so, so I think like they get along well. And I think that Towns, is ready for help in a way that he probably wasn't before. And so like, I think that all can work out. And so here's the other thing, like coming obviously like, there's a lot of people, whether it's in the NBA or even in Wolves fans, sometimes we like, man, they got to trade cat, make this ants team. Like, this is it. And like,
1: I wouldn't go that far. The
0: second you trade cat, you're looking for a big who can shoot and spray the floor (laughs) for and, and create room for Anthony Edwards. And so, I just do think that they're going to continue to build around both of them in a way that can absolutely work. And as long as they continue to make those two the focal points and make them both valued and they and both of them understand how much they need each other, I think it's going to work out just fine. I don't have really met many concerns about that now they got to get better around those two mm. they got to get more rebounding they got to get more okay. toughness they got to get more shooting mm. but those two it's a pretty good one-two punch especially if you get ant to make a leap in year three like people are expecting so i think they're good there and i think both of those two are good with being good there and now it's a matter of what happens around them
1: Man, um, I would have loved to get into some of the more sordid details of that Gerson-Rojas situation, awesome, but we're we we we're out of time for today. I do think, however, the Timberwolves are as exciting a young team as we have in the league. I, I really, really want to see what Connolly is able to put together in the offseason because I think they're going to be really damn good next year after having tasted some success. Hopefully they don't go to the route of the Atlanta Hawks and just like – be completely like with the hubris and act like they they achieve something and want more for themselves. Um, John, man, thank you for coming on. Tell the people where they can find you and your fantastic work.
0: Yeah, appreciate it, yeah um, You can find me at theathletic.com in the Minnesota section. Timberwolves, we do a little Viking stuff here and there as well. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at John Krasinski, not the actor, the other one, J-O-N-K-R-A-W-C-Z-Y-N-S-K-I. But I appreciate you having me on, Waz. I'm so happy for your success, man. You're a good friend. I can't wait to see you in Vegas. And you just keep blowing up, man.
1: Listen, John, thank you. You're the sweetest guy in the biz. However, I need more success. More money, more everything. More (laughs) adulation, more accolade. I need more, John. Keep grabbing. Keep grabbing. (laughs) It's all there for you, man. Just
0: keep on grabbing.
1: Thank you, bro. All right, that was our show for today. Make sure you're checking out all of the other offerings throughout the Ringer uh, NBA Podcast Network. Uh, We'll see you guys next week. I'll see you guys on Wednesday with Group Chat. We out of here. Peace.